Let us sing for the joy of the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For he is our God. Stand with me. Let's start our service by singing about the greatness of our God. Lord of all creation, of water, earth, and sky, the heavens are your tabernacle. Glory to the Lord on high, God of wonders beyond our galaxy, you are holy, holy, the universe declares your majesty, you are holy, holy, Lord of heaven. Thank you. 
come to prayer time. Let's just sing that one more time. Oh, it's all about you. It's all about you. I'm coming back to the heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. When it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. One more time. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made. When it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. This morning as we come to prayer time, um, first, it's just really good to see y'all. It's good to see your faces. Um, you know, I... I wonder sometimes um, what what the good of this is that we gather. Do you ever wonder that? that why we um, why we get out of bed on a Sunday when there could be you know a ton of other things that we could be doing? You could be on a boat, but the discipline and the practice of coming to this place and putting ourselves in the posture of hearing from God, reminding ourselves whose we are. We need that. Because for the rest of the week, we hear a lot of other voices, don't we? We hear the news and we hear... Um, the people at work, and we hear our neighbors, and we hear the people beeping their uh, car horns behind us, and, and there are a lot of voices that are speaking into our lives. So why do we come to this place? Oh, don't we need it? Don't you need it? Don't you need to be reminded of your place in this world that we live in? Don't you need to be reminded? Because those other voices are not going to remind you of whose you are. They're going to tell you all kinds of other things. But when we come to this place, we put ourselves in a posture where God can actually transform our lives where God can actually change our hearts, where God can actually do things between enemies and, and start with us, right? We need this. So when we sing these songs about coming back to the heart of worship, that it's all about Jesus, Oh, my friends, when we understand that our lives are 
transformed. They are changed. When we realize the way of Jesus is the only way, we can be changed. We can be transformed. And so that is my prayer this morning. So as we come to this time of prayer, I want to invite you, if you feel so led, our altars are always open. And there is nothing magical that happens at these altars except a posture. And you can take that posture in your heart, but let me tell you, there is something powerful about coming forward and saying, God, whatever it is, that you need to change in me. Will you begin that work right now? And I promise you, he will begin that work. So I'll give you a moment. We can um, just take a moment. You can close your eyes. Please, if you um, would like to come forward. I'm telling you, there is something about that posture that can change us. Lord Jesus, we come into this place carrying a lot. We come into this place with a lot of baggage and a lot of hurt and a lot of pain and a lot of stuff, a lot of voices that we hear throughout the week, a lot of worries, a lot of concerns. There's just a lot, Jesus. And it's hard to roll out of bed and, and get here sometimes. And, and, and Lord, will you, will you help us this morning by speaking to our hearts in fresh new ways? Will you open our eyes to see things that maybe we've not seen before? Will you open our ears to hear things that maybe we've not heard quite in that way, and will you open our hearts so that we can begin to embody your very presence in this world? Jesus, you are the only one who can change anything in a way that's worth anything. We can get a new job. We can do something new. We can make changes. But Jesus, will you help us to put ourselves in a posture of obedience and trust in you so that you can make the change in our lives that only you can make. We can't do it. And we need you. And so this morning, Jesus, we come here understanding that we belong to you. (laughs) And there is nothing that we could have done to deserve that. There is nothing that we can say or do that will make us. That will make us what you have already said we are. Yours.
it's a hard world, Jesus, and so we need you to do something um, something in us, in our hearts, not just individually, but as a church, as a community who follows you. Lord, we're trusting you. We're trusting you to do something that only you can do. And we say yes to whatever it is you call us to do. So take this time, Jesus. Will you make it what it needs to be so that we can leave this place changed for you so we can be the light in this world that you've called us to be. We're trusting you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. And so will you stand with me? Because it is in these moments that we, like I said last week, we practice, right? We practice uh, passing the peace to each other. When we say, it is my prayer that everything is good and right between you and God, and that everything is good and right between you and me. And we practice this because this is, this is like our, our um, uh, spring training, <laughs> right? In, in this room, this is our spring training, and so we can then go out and play ball, right? We can go out and play ball and, and be God's peace in this world that we live in, okay? So let me be one of the first to say to you, may the peace of Christ be with you. Thank you so much. I'm going to let you extend that peace, but let me just remind the kiddos to meet me in that back corner because we're going to go and um, make some noise back there, okay? So please pass that peace to each other. Introduce yourself to someone. Be real friendly.
If you're online, the music ends and the cameras just kind of show, you're missing it. You're missing it. Hopefully you're uh, having community there. Hopefully Pastor Tim's online and engaging with you. And uh, welcome, welcome. So, uh, Sure. Do you, do you need a mic? You want a mic? I don't know if you all hear me. Hold on, hold on one second, Mark. And, uh, this is a story that goes back over three years. And it's, it's uh, is this on? Yeah. Um, it's just something that I enjoy doing. I'm a sailor. And the boat that I, the sailboat that I went to the Bahamas on, oh, 24 years ago, when I met my wife, the, the guy that owned it, didn't use it anymore, and he always thought that I should have it. And three and a half years ago, he came to me and he said, okay, I'm time to, time to get rid of it. Well, there were a lot of things that needed to be done to that boat, and three years later, as of this week, it finally happened where I went down to Pompano Beach um, with my son Tyler and another friend, and we sailed the boat back to Daytona. Hallelujah. That in itself is a wonderful thing. <laughs> we went through times when there was no wind, when there was 25, you know, the squalls that come over. We caught some of those all three days that we were sailing. Uh, at one point, there were lightning strikes within a mile. The mast on this boat is 40 feet tall, and it's made of metal. No place to run, no place to hide. Lightning that close, I'm praying, Lord... Spare us. And he did. We made it. All is well. And I, and I give thanks for that whole trip because it was an epic thing. I got to do it with my son. Thank you, Lord. Praise God for that. Now, the second thing, I would like to lift up my wife. She's going in for surgery tomorrow. Uh, it, it, they're they're going to snip out some parts and make sure that they're not cancerous. Um, Ken is also going in for foot surgery tomorrow. We'd like to lift him up. I know there are other things that you guys are going through that, that we as a body could lift up. And I'd like to do that without knowing what they are. Lord Jesus, we lift up Linda, we lift up Ken for these procedures that we know are going to happen, and for other things that anyone in this congregation is, is going through or is coming up to. Lord Jesus, we lift you up and we praise Your name for what You're going to do, what You have done, what You can do. Lord, You are Creator of all and You are capable of all things. We thank You that we are here this morning to lift Your name and to give You praise. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 That's just what we do. Amen. Thank you, Mark. Hey, I'm Garen, I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm hobbling along because I'm not, I've got something wrong with my back, so if I'm slow moving, that's why, and if I sit, that's why. Uh, but I'm so glad to be here and to serve alongside you because we partner together in this ministry, right? Uh, but I want to make you aware of a couple of announcements that are coming up in the life of this church. The first one is, we need your help. Um, we, we introduced this last week to a lot of you, but we are going to be starting renovations on three different rooms so that the kids can finally have their own 
space and not have to borrow it and, and be mobile, we're going to be redoing the office so that it becomes a Sunday school classroom so that, um, like Sunday morning, Ken doesn't have to be mobile, and then we're going to be moving the office. And so we're going to need a lot of help, a lot of uh, painting and moving and cleaning and throwing out and stuff like that. And so in the coming weeks, when we're ready and when we have the supplies, we're going to be asking for your help. So please be ready to help. The second thing is Wednesday, um, teens, this is for teens. We're going to have a pool party at our house. So talk to Jen or me and we can get you directions, but we're going to have pizza and, and Coke and um, just kind of spend some time uh, swimming and hearing a little bit from the word of God. And so the teens are still happening this summer. Just want to make you aware. So teens come on. The third thing is Right after this service, we're going to talk to you for about five minutes. If you are a member of this church or, or a stakeholder, you're invested in this church, um, stick around. We want to give you some updates about things that are happening um, in the life of the church. And the last thing is this past week, seven pounds, eight ounces, was it 21 inches? Baby Sophia Renee joined us, the planet. Um, Corey and Leon are doing well. Sophia is still in NICU, and so if we can be praying for her, she's, she's progressing. It's just slow, and so if you could pray that God will help her. She's a few weeks early, but uh, we're thankful. She is beautiful, and we're excited to see what God does in Sophia's life in the coming years. So pray for uh, Leon and Renee uh, and Corey, Renee, because they have no idea what they're in for. It is a great ride um, and uh, and a tiring ride. And pray for um, Corey and Angela, or as I like to call them, Pappy and Grappy, or what did I call you earlier? I don't remember. I, they have cute nicknames that I can't remember. But pray for them. And uh, we're do what? Grangy and Pop Pop. That's what they're called. So. Um, Y'all don't call them that because that's a special name for, for Sophia. But, well, maybe. I don't know. Can we start calling you that? Uh, anyway, those are the announcements that we have. Um, now we come. I know this is kind of. Um, I'm not used to doing all this. I'm kind of out of, out of uh, practice. So forgive me. We come to a time of worship in giving. And we understand that everything we have is, have is a gift from God, right? Um, not just our money and our possessions, but... The, the breath in our lungs, the ministries that we're involved in and that we can participate in. Everything is a gift from God. And so we always take time to give back and to just give to our God. And so you're going to see a couple of ways that you can give um, financially um, online and boxes in the back or you can mail your check or whatever. But also I want you to be praying, God, how can I give in other ways? How can I participate in the life of this church and in the life of your kingdom in other ways, not just financially? So, Jesus, we are yours, and you are ours, and that's enough. And so we praise you, and I pray that you will be with us as we give right now. May your name be glorified um, and lifted up and in places where maybe it hasn't been in the past because of the giving and the leadership of our people here. We love you, and we pray this in your name. Amen. God bless you as you give. 
So Angela is a new grandma, and uh, congratulations. I remember going to my grandma's house in Newcastle, Indiana, as a kid. And it was, uh, well, i got to be honest with you, it wasn't the best, because we always went during winter, and if you've ever been to Indiana in the wintertime, it's always that dirty brown snow. Uh, that's, that's what I thought Indiana was. I didn't realize it had other seasons. But I'd go to Grandma's house with my family, and a few things that I remember growing up, I remember that this little house, maybe it was 800 to 1,000 square feet. It was teeny tiny, and yet she had a full-blown three-level organ in her living room and a piano on the other side of the living room, and she and my mom would play music together. I remember that. I remember, this may sound weird to some of you, but she would make Velveeta and mayonnaise sandwiches. Sound good? You're with me, aren't you? All the time. All the time. I mean, when we, like, at my house, we had the unfancy cheese, but when we went to grandma's and had the Velveeta, the melting cheese block, hello, that's what I'm talking about. I remember, oh my goodness, she, she would make up stories, and they were the most outrageous things, and we loved them. You know, she'd talk about um, the boy who swallowed, swallowed the watermelon seed and had a watermelon grown in his stomach and all that stuff, but it was like this elaborate story. I loved a lot of things about my grandma. One of the things that I really loved, though, when I was younger, I was a morning person and she was a morning person and the rest of our family would be sleeping and she and I would go out to her front porch and she would give me little spoonfuls of her coffee and say don't tell your parents don't tell your parents (laughs) so she would feed me some coffee and then we would sit down and she'd say close your eyes what do you hear and I'd say nothing Because it was early, it was quiet, nothing was going on. And she said, no, 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 no. I want you to really listen, quiet yourself. What do you hear? And where once there was nothing, all of a sudden I started to hear birds that were chirping in the trees. And I started to hear the wind rustling the leaves. And I started to hear the dump truck three or four blocks over and his beeping sound. And I started to hear where there was once silence, all of a sudden, the world was alive if I was just willing to quiet myself and listen. So all I needed to do was simply quiet myself and listen. So let me give you a couple of Latin words. The first word is audere. And it means listening. That's where we get the word audio. Get it? Audere, audio. And it means listening. So if you are listening, you are audere. But if you are greatly listening, if you are really listening, it's obadere. Which is where we get the word obedience. Because obedience is Listening and responding. Listening, it's not just hearing. It's not just audio. It's not listening. It's hearing and responding. It's obedience. So there's a different level of hearing. It's like we hear things, but then if we're really listening and we're responding, that's 
Obadir. Let me give you two more words real fast. First one is the word for the word death. And it's Sirtis. If, if you're death, you're Sirtis. But we all know that there are different levels of hearing ability. If you are completely deaf, if you are 100% totally deaf, you are absurdus, which is where we get the word absurd. So the question for us today is how can we move from a life of absurdity where we're not hearing the Spirit? How can we move from absurdity to a life of obedience where we really hear and we really respond with all that we have? And it's a difficult task. I feel like Jen was kind of stepping on where I'm going because she really hit it well in the prayer. Um, Many of us feel like we can't hear the voice of God. I don't know if if you're one of those people, there are some people who say, I hear God talking to me all the time. And others people say, I don't hear God at all. And if we're not careful, and if we're not listening, we will hear voices. And it'll be the voices of the world. And, and they'll tell us that what we do is what matters. Or what other people say about us, that's what's important. Or what we achieve, or how much money we make, or what we possess. Those will be the voices that we will hear if we don't quiet our hearts and truly listen for the voice of God. All these voices that we hear that aren't of God are what make our lives feel absurd. They're they're what make it difficult for us to hear the voice of God that says, I love you. You are my beloved. And last week, when we were talking on Pentecost, I I mentioned one of the things I said was just how completely and fiercely loved we are by God. Do you remember? I looked at a few of you and I said, you are loved by God. You are loved by God. Do you remember that? Well, I feel like that's something that we can hear and then pass over because if we're honest, a lot of us say that's really, that's not me. So I want to slow down and I want to kind of stop where we were heading and I want to spend a little bit of time talking about how we are loved and how we can hear the voice that calls us loved and beloved. And I'm going to upfront tell you that a lot of what I'm going through A lot of what I've been praying about and thinking about is coming from three books, two by Henry Nowen and one by Tish Harrison Warner. And it's shaping the way I'm thinking about how we are loved fiercely by God. And so I encourage you to check out any of those books. In Luke chapter 3, we have this baptism moment of Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. I honestly, my back was hurting so bad I couldn't sit behind the computer and write the, the slides up. So bear with me. Um, just look at the pretty picture or listen to my voice. You can really listen, oh dear, to what I'm saying. So in Luke chapter 3, we see John the Baptist and Jesus, and we have this uh, beautiful moment in verses 21 and 22 where Jesus is baptized. 
One day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. And as he was praying, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, You're my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Jesus, I pray that you'll help us in the next few minutes to really start to unpack what it means to be loved fiercely by you and how that might shape us as we listen greatly to your voice. We pray this in your name. Amen. So, Luke was written by the author. Luke. Okay, okay. We're all... That wasn't a trick question. Luke wrote the book of Luke. I know, that sounds crazy. Luke also wrote the book of Acts. A lot of people put them together and say, it's Luke-Acts. Because Luke and Acts complements each other very well. In fact, Luke, the focus of the book of Luke is Jesus, the life of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit happening in the life of Jesus. And the book of Acts is about the church and the Holy Spirit acting in the life of the church. And so you have Luke, Acts, life of Jesus, life of the church, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Luke is always talking about the Holy Spirit. Luke, more than any other uh, gospel writer, talks about the Holy Spirit and the active work of the Holy Spirit in our lives if we are listening So here's the story. We just read it, but let's just visualize it. Close your eyes if you want and just imagine it. So you've got this Jordan River. You've got the waters flowing. Chances are it's pretty muddy because it wasn't a very clean river. And you've got John the Baptist, this crazy guy who looks like, well, well, they say, you know, he had messy hair and is wearing camel skin, eating locusts. So just picture this crazy, gruffy guy. And he's out there and he's saying, repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Hmm. Sounds very similar to what Jesus says in Matthew 4.17 when he launches his ministry. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so John is saying, you need to repent. You need to repent. You need to repent. Sounds like Oprah. You get a car. You, You get repentance. You get repentance. Everybody's getting repentance. So John is there and Jesus, can you imagine, these people are being baptized. They're saying, yes, I want this. I want all of God. I want all of God. And Jesus steps out of the crowd. And walks into the water. And there's this moment where John's like, um, this isn't supposed to happen. You're the Messiah. And Jesus says, no, this has to happen for the scriptures to be fulfilled. And so John baptizes Jesus. And then Jesus comes out of the water, still dripping wet with this dirty, muddy water. And all of a sudden, scripture says, the heavens open up. A dove descends. It's the Spirit's intangible form coming down. And, and you hear a voice from heaven say, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Can you imagine? Put yourself in that setting on the bank watching this happen. People have been baptized all day. John's been preaching all day. And then this guy Jesus All of a sudden, something is very, very different. I want to read you just a short passage of what what Tish writes in her book, Liturgy for the Ordinary. She writes this, It's remarkable that when the Father declares at Jesus' baptism, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, 
Jesus hasn't yet done much of anything that many would find impressive. He hasn't healed anyone or resisted Satan in the wilderness. He hasn't been crucified yet. It would make much more sense if the Father's announcement came after something grand and glorious, like the triumphant moment after feeding a multitude or the big reveal after Lazarus is raised. But Jesus is sent first into the desert and then into his public ministry. But he is sent out with the declaration of the Father's love. Jesus is eternally beloved by the Father. His every activity unfurls from his identity and the beloved. He loved others, healed others, preached, taught, rebuked, and redeemed, not in order to gain the Father's approval, but out of his rooted certainty in the Father's love. So, do you understand So, just what that passage is saying? Before Jesus did anything, Jesus was the beloved Son of God. And Jesus didn't do all of these things to earn the Father's love. Jesus did all these things out of the knowledge that this is who I am. I am God's loved child. And so, the natural response is this overflow of the things that Jesus did. It wasn't to earn it. Paul tells us that. We can't earn it, Right? It's a gift. Jesus was this living example of that everything happens out of the flow of this love. Do you realize that you're loved the same way? Before you do anything, Before you say anything, before you sign up to do that ministry, you are loved in advance of anything you will ever say, think, or do. That's a pretty good advancement. There is nothing you can ever do or say or think that will take away the love that has already been bestowed upon you. You are loved simply because you are God's created child, and that is enough. That's all you need to be loved. You are God's creation. You are good. You are loved. What could it be like if if we could start to sit quietly in God's presence and begin to really, oh, my dear, greatly hear the voice of God? Kind of like I did with Grandma on the front porch, but we did it on a more spiritual level with God, our Father. And we said, okay, God, I'm listening. What if we could slow down and hear God's voice? This voice that is subtle. This voice that isn't going to be loud and obnoxious like all the clamoring of the world. But if we listen for it and we can train our ears to hear and obey this voice of God. I want to give you three simple ways. You know me, I'm not a big one, two, three person, but I want to give you three simple ways to better hear the voice of God. To help you remember that you are the beloved. It's what Jesus did. If we were to unpack Luke 3, 4, and 5, we're going to see it's what Jesus did, so it's probably a good model for us. 
I'm just saying. In chapter 3, we just read, Jesus is reminded that he is the beloved Son of God. In chapter 4, God's Spirit rests upon him. And at the end of chapter 4 and through Luke 5, Jesus remembers that he is loved by God, that the Spirit rests upon him, and Jesus is moved to action. So you have these things, this communion, this community, and then this ministry. Jesus started with communion, and then he created community, and then he began his ministry. Now, we like to do the opposite, don't we? If you want something done right, do it. Exactly. We start with ourselves. We would never start with any other person because we're the only people we can rely on, right? And then if we can't get it done, maybe we'll pull in a couple other people and build this little community of help, right? And then when all else fails, well, we'll throw a, throw a Hail Mary and we'll ask God for help, right? We do, we ask, we pray. Jesus did the opposite. He always started... How many times can you think of in Scripture where it says, very early in the morning, Jesus went up in the mountains and got alone with God? Jesus always started with this communion, which then affected his community and was the push for his ministry. So I want to unpack each of those really fast, and then we're going to celebrate at the table. In the Gospels, communion was this regular time between Jesus and God. He got away early. He remembered his identity, getting away from the noise and the bustle of everything that would happen, all the people that would be coming to him, asking for miracles, asking for help, asking his opinion, trying to catch him and trying to get him to break the law. It didn't matter if it was a Gentile, a Roman, a Pharisee, a common person. Somebody was always trying to get something or manipulate Jesus in some way. And so he always had to find a time to connect with God and remember who he was so that he would understand that everything he does is through the power of the Holy Spirit. He always got away. The world has so much noise. And it takes discipline to have communion with God. We understand that when we say, I want to get healthy, well, it takes discipline. I want to eat better, well, it takes discipline. I want to learn more, well, you've got to study, it takes discipline. We understand that discipline is needed for just about anything worthwhile, and yet for some reason, we want this magical, oh, just God, let's just be there. No. Communion with God takes discipline. It is a spiritual discipline that we have to work on, and we have to grow, and we have to mature, and we have to strengthen That's how we get closer to God. The world wants to occupy us. The world wants to occupy our attention, whether it's TV, news, radio, politics, computer, books. It doesn't matter what it is. If they can get the noise in your life and keep you from hearing that still small voice of God, they've done their job. Not only do they want to occupy your mind, they want to preoccupy your mind. They want you thinking about things before you even need to think about it, which is what we would call worry. And Jesus has something to say about that in the Sermon on the Mount, and we'll be getting to that in a few weeks. If we're not careful, we'll chase after any noise that tells us you should be doing this or you should be thinking that way. You should do this if you want to feel worthy or if you want to feel loved. Communion with God 
reminds us of our identity. We're loved. We are the beloved in whom God's favor rests. Communion has to be where we start. Prayer, time with God, has to be where our go-to response always is. In the morning, in the night, while we're painting, while we're mowing, while we're working on the computer, while we're flying, it doesn't matter what it is. We should be in a constant state of prayer because we need that communion with God. Otherwise, the noises are too overwhelming and we will forget our identity and we will begin to live and alter identity. Community, communion is essential. And so after Jesus deals with communion, he talks about community. He calls 12 unlikely men. I mean, if you were writing a book and you said, I need 12 people to follow me and learn for three years about me, you would not call the people that Jesus called. I mean, these guys were rough around the edges. Maybe that's a nice way to put it. And yet he called 12 unlikely people And he called them by name. And he invited them to join him on this spirit-led journey deeper into the heart of God. Community is essential for us to hear the voice of God. And I know we don't like that because we think it's just me and God and the rest of the world can go wherever. No, that's not really what the Bible says and that's not how Jesus lived. Community is is essential for us to clearly hear the voice of God. It's in community that people speak life into us and remind us to listen to the voice of God. It's in community that we get that admonition and that little rebuke and we keep going on the right way. We don't do this on alone. We are not an island. We are a community. We're not called to be called, we're not called individuals of God. We are called the people of God. It's in community that we are formed and transformed and changed from glory into glory, as the hymn says. It's in community that we remember that we are loved by God. See, what we do many times is we form communities because we feel lonely. Right? I don't want to be alone, so I'm going to be in a community. But the problem is, eventually, every community will leave us feeling lonely because that community is not meant to fill the hole in our heart that is reserved for God and God's voice saying, you are loved and you are enough. So we need the community of the saints so that we can have communion with God speaking life into us and the community of the saints speaking life into us. And together, that's why we have peace with God and peace with each other. We talk about that. We do that every week. It's a big deal. And so we have this community that we need to truly understand who we are. And when we understand who we are, we can love the world. We can love everyone. We can love people that even are at odds with us. Don't believe me? Let me give you an example. We all know about Simon Peter, right? But there's another disciple that's with Jesus, also Simon. So we got two Simons. What are we going to do? Let's give them nicknames. You're going to be Simon Peter, the rock. You're Simon the zealot. Now, what's a zealot? A zealot is someone who is a fanatic or uncompromising in their religious or political pursuit. 
That's a zealot. So what would a Jewish zealot be? A Jewish zealot would be someone who says, I hate Rome. I hate this oppression. I hate anything that is keeping the people of God from being the people of God. And the only thing I hate more than the Romans would be a Jewish person who has turned on their people and sided with the Romans like a tax collector. They steal from God's people and they line their pockets and give the rest to the Romans. If there's anyone I hate more than Romans, it's the Jewish people who are stabbing us in the back at the hands of the Romans. And yet, one of the other disciples is Matthew, who is a tax collector. Can you imagine sitting around the campfire with those two in the same circle and just wondering, "Uh uh-oh, who's going to throw the first punch? And yet, when both of them understand, I am loved by God, that's where my identity is. Not my roots, not my nation, not my beliefs, not my politics, not my desires. I am loved by God, and so I can love even my enemy. That's what community looks like. Community looks like a group of people sitting in a room together and we have different likes and different habits and different needs and different political views and yet somehow we all understand we are God's beloved and so we can come together and if we don't agree on anything else, we believe that God is love and that we are loved by God, and that is enough. So we need communion. We need community. The last thing is, once we understand who we are, once we understand we are loved by God, because of the relationship that we have with God, and because of the relationship that we're forming in our community, we can then minister Jesus communed with God, he gathered his community, and then he began, if you look through the rest of Luke, it's Jesus heals so-and-so, Jesus fixes something, Jesus, like, do, 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 do. Ministry, 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 ministry. Sometimes it was spiritual needs, sometimes it was physical needs, but Jesus was always helping others. Can I just tell you that I want us all in this community And I want more of us in this community. But our community is not a safe house. We don't come here to escape anything. We come here to remember who we are so that we can be sent into a world that hears a lot of garbage noise. And then, Butch, maybe you're the person that becomes that still small voice of God's love in someone else's life. And Elaine, maybe it's you when you're at your social things in your community and you become that still small voice of God and you only have it because you are in communion with God and you're in community with each other. And so you hear the voice of God like they don't. And all of a sudden, they start hearing the voice of God through you because they start to realize, maybe I am loved. 
maybe there is more than what I'm listening to. And as a community, we begin to minister the way Jesus did. It's not about us even going out, looking for something. It's who's in front of you. Your ministry is between your two feet. Whoever is in front of you, that's your ministry. And so as you remember who you are and as you remember you're beloved and as you are strengthened by the community and encouraged and you grow and you mature spiritually because of the community and your communion with God, all of a sudden you can do ministry and you say, oh, I'm not that kind of person. Well, yeah, you really are. That's who you're created to be. You're just not living up to your full potential, but we can help with that. We can help as you talk with God and we work with each other and we can help you find a ministry where you're passionate and where you're fulfilled and where you're growing and where all of a sudden people are going, hey, I don't know what it is about you but you're different what's the deal and you say hey man i don't know what it is i just i love god i love people weirdly that's weird what's that like well let me tell you and all of a sudden you are opening up avenues for other people to hear the voice of god because the voice of god is being heard in your life and through your life are you with me so the question is today Are we spending enough time in communion with God? If it doesn't start there, if that's not the foundation, everything else will be temporary fixes that will eventually crumble. Are we talking with God? Are we listening for God's voice? And then are we joined into a community? Are we joined with people who are like-minded? And when I mean like-minded, it means they understand they're loved by God and I understand I'm loved by God. And we understand that we're loved by God. Like-minded doesn't mean we agree on every issue, but it means that's the essential one that we agree on. That Christ died for all of us. And that we are all loved by God. Are we finding, are we, are we spending enough time in communion? Are we spending enough time in the right communities? Because if we are, ministry will be the natural overflow. And so although we like to start with the do, then ask, then pray, and Jesus says start with the pray, then then ask and gather and then do. That's the order it needs to be. But if you're not sure if, I, if you're spending enough time communing or community with people, a good litmus test is, is there any fruit? Is there any ministry happening? And if there's not, if it's not happening in your life, chances are you have a breakdown in one of the previous, one of the previous two things. So we're going to pray. I'm going to let you uh, bow your heads, close your eyes. And we're just going to spend a moment doing the first thing, communing with God. We're not going to play music. I'm going to invite you. You can sit, you can stand, you can kneel, you can come to the altars. But spend just a moment or two talking with God. Listen for that still small voice that will remind you of your true identity.
God, we thank you that we can come to you. That you are an ever-present help in time of need. We thank you that your spirit was unleashed not upon individuals, but upon a community of people that believed that you, Jesus, are the Messiah. And so we believe, Father, that your spirit is with us here. I pray that you will help my friends and help me to eliminate hurry and to eliminate noise from our lives so that we can find rest and hear your voice. Now I want you to take a moment and I want you to think about community. Are you invested in people's lives and are they invested in yours in a way that is life-giving to both of you? If not, you're not fully engaged in community. And I want you to talk to me afterwards and I want us to find a way to help you take that next step. But just take a moment now, self-inventory, and ask God, where am I in this community thing? Jesus, am I all that you want me to be right now? Jesus, this one is hard for us. We are people who like driving in our isolated cars and pulling into our isolated garages and going to our isolated backyards, and yet you've called us to be something different. You've called us to community, and it was important enough for you to model, and so we need to pay attention. Jesus, I pray that you will help us each to find a community where we can serve, a community where we can connect with people, a community where we can grow closer to you with others. What kind of unity could we have in that kind of community, God? I pray that. Last thing is ministry. The only way Jesus could have the power and the strength to serve the way Jesus did, the only way Jesus could have the obadir, the obedience that Jesus had, was through communion and community. But Jesus was always ready to minister because he had covered those other two bases. And so, how are you ministering? How are you being salt? How are you being light? How are you establishing more of the kingdom of heaven here on earth as it is in heaven here and now? Ask God, where are areas where I can minister to people that are hurting? Jesus, we're all called to serve.
You were the perfect example. You, who didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but you humbled yourself and you made yourself a little lower than the angels, came to earth and died. Took on flesh and died for us. Therefore, your name is exalted above all others. And one day every knee will bow in heaven and earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that you, Jesus, are Lord to the glory of God the Father. That type of ministry, that descent into greatness is what you've called us to. Jesus, I pray that you will help us to find ways to pour out our lives not seeking advancement, not seeking recognition, not seeking fame, but pouring out our lives because that's the model that we've been given and that's the way that you have created us to be. And we will trust you to bring... We will trust you to advance your kingdom using us, your beloved children. We pray this in your name. Amen. So we come to the table. I can't think of a better example where communion, community, and ministry happen than at the table. At the Passover, they would celebrate God's deliverance from Egypt. And there would be moments where they would lift up cups or lift up bread and they would sing a psalm or they would pray and they would have communion with God, thanking God for all that God had done in the past. And they would do it in a setting. They would invite their family members so that they were all together. They would invite the foreigner and the stranger into the circle to join in because this was a community thing that God was doing. And what Jesus transformed these elements to mean is nothing less than pure ministry, right? So we gather at the table. It's his table that God has set. And so if you're visiting with us, this table is open. We don't police a table that's not ours. If you want to know Jesus in a deeper way, you were invited to come to this table. So I'm going to invite you to, to gather and come through the center aisle and we'll administer the elements and then we'll all take them together. So let me hand sanitizer up and then I'll invite you to come. Ooh, that's on the mic. As you're ready, come to the table.
Jesus, God, we thank you for your love and for your goodness. May your name be glorified in our lives. We pray in your name. Amen. It's been great to be with you. Will you stand with me? At our church, we sing our benediction. It's a blessing that we sing over each other, and so we invite you to join in. And then, just a reminder, we'll have a brief five-minute meeting um, after the service for those that are members or, or regular attenders here. So stick around. Will you sing with me? We sing hallelujah, let your kingdom come in our hearts, in our homes. Let your will be done as we go in your name. We shout and we proclaim, let your will be done in us. Go remembering that you are the beloved. We'll see you next week.